Welcome to The Sky's the Limit with host Dee Brown, the president and CEO of the P3 Group, the nation's largest minority public private partnership real estate developer. Here's Dee. Welcome to this episode of The Sky's the Limit. Joining me today is Brandon Gray, Chief Operating Officer for the P3 Group, Inc., and Eric Stevenson, Chief Data and Compliance Officer for the P3 Group, Group Inc. Gentlemen, welcome to The Sky's the Limit. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Listen, so we're doing exciting work at the P3 Group. I wanted to have you guys on the show today to just really talk about some of the things we're doing at the P3 Group, Brown Foundation, self-made brands, et cetera. Mm. So, uh, Eric, tell me, what do you like most about working at the P3 Group? Uh, the thing that really um, is impactful and, and what I love the most is the fact that we can do work in the communities and the work that we do in communities, are, it is impactful work. It's, it's work that changes those communities. It, it, uh, it uplifts those communities and it brings something that otherwise might not be in the community. It, it changes the trajectory in a lot of ways for those communities. So yeah. that's that's very important for any work that I do and I'm, I'm happy to be doing it uh, on such a large scale. So Brandon, you had the opportunity to uh, execute uh, three projects in your hometown where you were right. born and raised, West Memphis, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about those projects and, and how that impact, impacted you from a legacy perspective. Yeah, I would I would definitely say that um, the West Memphis uh, those West Memphis projects were very significant um, for me personally, uh, professionally, and also uh, for the city of West Memphis uh, in general. But it, it's one of those things that sometimes you don't really think about um, the long lasting impact that it may have when you when you're first you know uh, engaging with the, with the client, um, and but then once everything is over, you you understand that it's more than just a project. Right. And I think uh, I, I think about with uh, Fire Station Number Three, uh, yeah. with it being named after uh, Chief Brewer, and uh, Chief Brewer was someone that was significant for me and my family. Uh, he actually uh, taught my daughter uh, Taekwondo. Yeah. Uh, actually, on her eighth birthday, she received her black belt, and so he was always a man that was very respected in the community because you know he carried himself uh, professionally, but also he was a family man and uh, he had a love for the community. So you know, being able to be a part of a project that bear his name. Um, you know, you can't make the, those type of things up. Right. And unfortunately, Chief Brewer, uh, when he joined the West Memphis uh, Fire Department for, for 30 years, he lobbied the city and his, uh, the mayor and city council uh, for a new fire station. He said, actually, when he started working at the force, uh, at the fire department, he was actually promised mm -hmm. uh, a new fire department. Yep. And he, he did not... Um, get it. And so new mayor came into office, uh, Marco McLennan, who was very aggressive and progressive uh, in his vision for West Memphis. Right. He right away uh, entered into an agreement. I think he may have been in office three months before yeah. he uh, contracted with the P3 group to uh, deliver the new two new fire stations, a police substation and a municipal courthouse. And fire station number three that you mentioned was named after Chief Dennis Brewer. Mm -hmm. And that's what his that was his dream. And I remember close to completion uh, going by just to look at the fire station and, and ran into him there. We took a selfie. He was just so excited. But yeah. unfortunately, uh, Chief Brewer passed just weeks 
prior yeah, to the grand opening right. of, of the fire station. Uh, how did that impact you? Yeah, so, um, I mean, obviously it was, I mean, I actually remember the day uh, when he had actually went into the hospital. I actually, I actually was on the phone with uh, Mayor McClendon, and yeah. Mayor McClendon said, hey, I can't talk. I'm actually, you know, something's wrong with Chief. I'm actually going to the hospital. Um, so, you know, I, you know, at that point in time, my thoughts were with him and his family. Um, and so I, I didn't necessarily know what was wrong, what was going to happen. Um, but, you know, thankfully, um, you know, I have a, a good relationship with T. Brewer's wife and she was there for the uh, ribbon cutting. And, um, right. you know, she and actually there was some things that happened uh, like right before the now that I think back, uh, they actually had a, a celebration there uh, in the city of West Memphis. And we were able to attend and uh, they gave you know, we were able to give uh, T. Brewer some uh some pictures of the actual facility. So right, I'm actually thinking right. back to that. Yeah. And that happened like maybe a month or so before he passed. So I'm right. glad that we had that right. moment. That's right. You know, That's having right. that connectivity to his family yeah. and for them to think so much of us uh, right. to actually be able to share in that moment. Because at the time, we didn't know what was going to happen. But now right. that I sit there and think back to it, you know, that was a very significant moment um, for right. us. And I think for you too. No, no doubt about it, man. It was one that, uh, I mean, it, it um, I never realized that I would become emotionally attached, you know, to a project. Right. But um, you know that that project did then and still does hold a lot of significance uh, to to uh, me, as well as our legacy being that that was the first capital project delivered under yeah. under a public private partnership in the state of Arkansas's history. Right, Eric. You know, um, in your role as P, at the P three group, you get the opportunity to meet with uh, clients and potential clients. Um, around the country on a daily basis. Uh, in Harrisburg, Illinois, uh, we're building uh, a, a, a pre-K school, mm -hmm. Bella uh, Early Learning Academy for the Harrisburg Community School District. And that represents one of the first uh, uh, K-12 uh, P3 projects uh, in, in the country. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and you have had a hands-on role with that from a you know, owner's rep uh, perspective. Uh, talk to me about that project and, and how it has impacted you professionally. Well, um, that particular project, um, it's, it's, it's so, it's good to see it come out the ground. It's good to, to be engaged, like you said, from, a, from the very beginning of the project and then understand the impact that it's had in that community. Uh, you know, I've got, you know, school age kids myself, they're a little bit beyond the pre-K age. Yeah. But so I, I completely and holistically understand how important it is to have, you know, pre-K in communities. Harrisburg is one of those communities that is, has been in some ways uh, overlooked and then I have the same opportunities in some other communities. Yeah. So to be able to go in and, and, and find a way, a path forward to, uh, to build them a school that's so needed and it's just gonna change the trajectory of that entire community for years right. and years right. to come, it's, it's always, it, it, you you develop a sense of attachment to it because you know the impact in, that you're doing and the oh, impact that you're having and what it's doing in that community. Uh, I think about when you know Grandin and I went up there and, and it being that that very impactful project and it kind of a, a testament to how impactful it is. The 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 actual principal of going to be the principal of the school is uh, she she had already drawn on the back of a napkin what she envisioned right. the the facility to look like. And so, and, and knowing how 
important it was uh, and how impactful it was uh, to them. You know, to, that they already had this image right. of, of what this is what our vision is looking is going to look like. Right. And for us to be able to take that that very um, drawing, take it, and then go through the process and give it to our, our architecture uh, partners in Chasm, and then they bring it to life and being right. able to see that right. through those different iterations. It's so incredibly impactful. So, you know, you take it from being able to know what the impact is going to have because of, you know, your understanding of communities and, and education, early head start for schools. And we know that nationally that's a, a, a big ordeal. Then just go back and, and see, like, where it started from to see that it's this is so ingrained in them that they, they were so ready. They didn't wait for the architect. Right. They already drew it out and right. said, this is what we want to look like. Can you right. bring this to life? Right. But you know what I that's remember most about that project, though? is that the, the district had been working for several years yeah. trying to get this mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. school built. And it was something that's very needed within that community. Right. And they never could figure out how to put that deal together and get it done within the budgetary constraints that they had. And not only did we deliver on bringing it in budget, we actually started construction in 78 days. Yeah from the date that they signed the development agreements. And that's unheard of. That's amazing. I still can't believe that we did it in 78 days. Now, of course, yeah. uh, Jefferson County was 84 days. days. Right. And, and that, was a, that was amazing. But I want to talk about, you know, pivot and talk about the Jefferson County right. uh, uh, projects because you have a, a VA center mm-hmm. and a memorial. Right. that uh, honor the 8,000 veterans uh, from the state of Arkansas mm-hmm. that have lost their lives during previous uh, wars. Mm-hmm. And that particular VA center is providing services for veterans that they were traveling to Little Rock an hour away mm-hmm. to get those services. So not only do they have the services to the veterans, and now think about it, these are people that Paid, have paid the yeah. ultimate sacrifice. Laid it on the line. Laid it on the line for us, for the freedoms that we take for granted every right. day. And and they didn't have quality a quality facility to get the services that they needed after paying yeah. that price to protect and serve uh, for, to, for our freedoms. And so then we have the, the health center. And I remember this. In the health center, the previous health center, Rain, yeah, mold, mold, uh, rodents, rodents, yeah. Uh, the, the workers yeah. getting sick, and this is where the community was going to receive their health care, right? To get well, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, for me, I mean, it's that Jefferson County project. When you just talk about it, if you put the word public-private partnership in the dictionary and you put a picture beside <laughs> right. it, I, I really do feel that Jefferson County could be. I mean, to me, it is a model. Yeah. For what can be, because you had, I mean, you think of it from a partnership standpoint, you know, yeah. all the different agencies, the different corporations, you know, the Simmons Banks of the world, Arkansas Department of Health, obviously the county. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you also look into it, think about when it happened. I know happened it, during COVID. It happened during COVID. Happened during COVID. <laughs> so, I mean, so, yeah. it, it's, I mean, that, that's amazing. I think, I think we don't really really talk about that a whole lot but if you just kind of when the dust is settled that and whole the whole process that whole process occurred, occurred. like at the front end oh. and all the way through right. COVID-19 and don't forget about the coroner's office yeah state of the art coroner's yeah. office 
I mean, it is absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you walk in until you get to the, you know, that it's a club, portion, yeah, club of the, corner, or yeah, you yeah, like, don't realize what it is. You don't realize what it is, yeah, man. It's, it's a beautiful, uh, it's a beautiful facility. facility. But like you said, <laughs> what what really made it interesting about fourteen billion dollar project project. Uh, well, I guess it grew to about eighteen million. 18 yeah. Million, yeah, but you had Simmons Bank donated a million dollars. Yeah, Arkansas Department of donated 700000 Yeah. And, of course, we brought the rest of the capital to make the project come to fruition. But when you talk about public-private partnerships, yeah. you had, you know, community stakeholders. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your uh, your state agencies that, mm-hmm. you know, are partnering uh, on this facility. And then you have the county, and then you have the P3 group that did the design, build, finance on it. So it's like, uh, yeah. I, I don't know of a better... Example of a public-private partnership than that, unless we want to pivot to yeah. Southeast Arkansas College. <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. I, I just I just think that those really those projects they really speak to. Again, for me, I don't do anything that's not impactful. Right. Like I don't I don't want to do work just to be doing work. Like you can do that anywhere. Um, but to do work that changes those communities. We talked about a veteran center. We talked about a health center. We talked about a coroner's office. Right. We talked about facilities that were. You know, at their at their worst in some in some cases. I think yeah. in the corner's all office, all of them yeah, things were falling down. Yeah, you know. And, and, but you're talking about essential essential services, services. to the community because yep. you know you think about it, the corner's office. Uh, you know, it's not just a, you know you got the deceased individual there, but you have the family that they left behind who who have the right to come and view the remains of their loved one right. in mm-hmm. dignity. Right. In a place that's clean and sanitary, and right. safe, and, and safe, and safe. Yeah. And, and then you have uh, a health de- health department where how can you provide health care to the citizens in a facility that's not safe, yeah. right. that's I, not sanitary? And I think D, the other thing is we talk about legacy. You think about each one of those buildings is named after someone. And you right. Think about the legacy that right. each one of those individuals. Uh, you know what what they built over time. Right. And each one of them built the community in some in right. some form. You know yeah. whether it's from a state level, from a local level, they all built that community, and now they're enshrined on yeah. buildings because of what they did yeah. to the you know, for the community. Right. And and then you look at you look at. I know we're talking about especially with the Arkansas examples. I mean, you're talking about two cities in the state where you know West Memphis, Arkansas, being closer to Memphis. Uh, you know, minority community in terms of you look at the population, Jefferson mm-hmm. County and Ryan Bluff. I mean, these are two communities where, I mean, they're not, you know, nothing against some of the other parts of the state, like the Fayetteville's and the Little Rocks. I mean, but these are some of the, the towns that are kind of on the verge. You know, they could go either way right? in right, terms right. of, you know, right. economic vitality. So I think, you know, these projects um, serve as a testament that, you know, when you have strong leadership, when you have a firm that, you know, Whatever we say we are, we we deliver. Right. Yes. And then you have other people that believe in your in the vision. That buy into the buy into it concept. that that this is how we can revitalize communities, right. not just in the state of Arkansas, but obviously we're able to take it to uh, Illinois and Harrisburg. But uh, these are things that can happen all across the country. So well, for you know, me, Virgin Island, Virgin Island, South Carolina. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, you just, and, and guess what? It's yeah. all the same. Yeah, it's all the same. You know, <laughs> the story people, is similar. Everyone have ideas. Right. Right. And so the, the, the difference between the achievers and the underachievers is the ability to execute on those ideas. Right. 
when you <laughs> when you when you embark upon uh, something, whether you just got elected judge, mayor, uh, or whether you're running a corporation, it comes with a vision. But your ability to put people around you, to surround yourself with the skills and the talent that allow you to execute yeah. on the on those visions or that vision yeah. is what differ- differentiate the winners from the losers. Yeah, right. You know, because uh, everybody have a dream. You know, yeah. It's just you yeah. know, but it, there's no shortage. Right. Yeah. You, you, you have it every night. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. But you know, let's talk about a little bit about the Brown Foundation. And the work we're doing there because it plays hand in hand with uh, the P3 group, right? right? And so the foundation was established to uh, provide educational or increase uh, access to education for people of color uh, to help bring uh, sanitary and, and decent housing uh, to communities to help uh, relieve the burden of government and things of that nature. And so through the Brown Foundation, uh, we have been doing work uh, around the country. So whether it is the $150,000 uh, endowment to Jackson State University, whether it's the you know, $400,000, $500,000 we spent on sponsoring the uh, Orange Blossom Classic uh, and the many uh, events and, and activities that we did in conjunction with that, or whether it is the, the uh, endowment at Florida uh, A&M mm-hmm. uh, University, uh, the the attack on hunger program right. yes. that we yes. launched yes. and that yes. we are you know sponsoring the uh, food pantry yes. uh, at Arkansas State University yes. Mid South for the next five years. Uh, I mean the list goes on and on, but right. it's very impactful work. And I think as the founder of the of the foundation, and you guys serving on the board, mm-hmm. uh, you know obviously our missions and yes. visions are aligned. Mm-hmm. But for me. I would just talk about what it means for me is just being able to go back into the communities that we operate mm-hmm. our for-profit for-profit entities in. Mm-hmm. And we go to those communities and we earn money and we leave those uh, communities better off than we found them. But right. to be able to go back yeah. on the philanthropic side mm-hmm. and to be able to invest in whether it's the, our uh, summer enrichment program where yeah. we're providing uh, education to mm-hmm. kids uh, in those communities uh, to help bridge the, the gap uh, between the, 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 the summer uh, deficits that are mm-hmm. created, uh, those sorts of things. So, Which was incredibly pack, impactful during the COVID right. times. Yeah. I know we're, we're seeing our way through the other side of the pandemic, but that was incredibly impactful to those communities that had a substantial, substantial gap um, and educational loss during those time yeah. periods. And so I think, you know, I love the fact that we were going in and trying to essentially bridge that gap and yeah. make sure that those communities, many of which were already, you know, had educational vulnerabilities. Right. We made sure that we did it what we can, for example, in Harrisburg. Again, knowing how important mm-hmm. ed- early education was to that community, making sure we go in right. and we help bridge that gap. I think that's Right. There's 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 really no better work to be done right. than to invest in the future. And the future being children who yeah. really don't know uh know what the future holds for right. them, but being able to give them the tools necessary as of now to do that. And so yeah. that's yeah, I and love I, the foundation for that. And I, I know for me personally, um, you know, I, I'm one of those people where, you know, my whole I guess forte is is really trying to figure out how can I help people. 
Right. At, at my core, that's that's who I am, and I feel like if I don't have that ability to do that, you know, I feel like I'm a fish out of out of water. So it's been right. very, um, it's been very enlightening for me uh, to be in a situation where I can, you know, really be a part of the best of both worlds in terms of on a professional corporate side, being able to, you know, be a part of an organization that's doing meaningful work, but on the flip side, you know, have a, a philanthropic arm where we can give back because so right. many times we look at how many times you see corporations that come in and do work, you know, they do whatever is, is needed and then they're gone. Right. Uh, but right. we're we're the direct opposite. And not only are we doing it, you know, but we're doing it during times when the cupboard was supposed to be bare. Yeah. And that's the amazing thing right. for me. And so well, it, it kind of, and I've said this once before, but I, I think about the, the Bible scripture that talks about uh, being generous and, and just, you know, how the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller, whereas the world of the generous right. gets larger and larger. So right. I think, D, to your credit, don't stop doing that um, because all it's going to do is the more that you do that, I mean, the world of the people that are around you, your, your employees, your friends, your colleagues, I mean, our worlds are going to continue to get larger because you have that vision, you have that heart uh, to do that. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I think that's... No, I think that um, you, when you when you reinvest in those communities uh, that have helped um, make you who you are, you 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 empower yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, it's to me, it's like there's not a true win in business if it's not cutting both ways. Right. Right. It can't be all take 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 take. take. Right. It has to be a give component. It has to be a yeah. give back component. A hand up mm-hmm. versus a hand out yeah. component. To make this whole uh, machine thrive and move forward, and so from from that philosophy, the Brown Foundation was 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 birthed. So let's talk about uh, self made with D Brown CEO PBS <laughs> the PBS show that I have and I, I, I got to figure out like I'm going to have to get the dynamic duo on there some kind of way <laughs> but but you know um, I think the vision behind that show is that we want to showcase positive images mm-hmm. of people of color and of course we have you know a variety of individuals right. on it but we got we're showcasing a lot of you know, yeah. uh, African Americans <laughs> and other you know nationalities, but people of color, mm-hmm. and I think that's just one of those messages. Sometimes they get it's lost, get lost, yeah, right? Yeah, get lost, and, so. and it, it it has to be some kind of way that we that we consistently pump out mm-hmm. positive images, positive stories of people of color because there's so many unsung heroes. There's so many people out there doing things yeah. that that our people don't know anything about. Right. So how can you envision or become something you've never seen? You don't understand. You can't you can't even dream to become something that you've never seen. Right. So it's that exposure yeah. to, you know, it, and it's not about everybody being a multimillionaire. It's like people just being successful and performing at the highest level of their profession, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the career that they have chosen and the career that makes them happy and doing it at the highest level 
and leaving a positive impact in their community and making a difference, you know, and making a mark on the world. Yeah, that's, I think, you know, to your, to your point there, I'm like, if you don't push those images, if you don't create a mechanism to support those images, then you don't, they get lost in the shuffle of everything else. Right, yeah. It, it has to be directed. Uh, and it's not in a, in a means to be, you know, ostentatious or be right. any of that. It's, a, it's to sell, show that this is happening. Mm-hmm. It has been consistently happening, but we've got to put it, we've got to put a spotlight on it. Yeah. And that's, and that's, that is what I, I enjoy about mm-hmm. that particular uh, stream and series and, and that show is that it, show, it, it highlights, every time I watch it, every time I see it, I see, I learn something that I didn't know before. Right. An aspect about a nuanced industry or something about, yeah. you know, things that we, we take for granted. Like we think we know it all about, you know, whatever industry or, right. you know, uh, Housing or whatever it is, you know, thinking about uh, Vince's uh, uh, right. presentation, right? But yeah. you always end up learning something, a lesson, and I think it's so important. How many lessons will not be learned or be missed if you don't put a spotlight on them? Right. Yeah. And, and and these are people, you know, quote unquote, they're self-made. Self-made. You know, they they didn't come from uh, you know having a head start on life with this big <laughs> poo pot of money. No, if not everyone came from extreme poverty. Right. But everyone came from ordinary circumstances, you know, and that's whether their parents were trying to run a small business or whether they, you know, were struggling on welfare and in, you know, uh, public housing. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone had, had to start from zero and make it work through loans, through, right. you know, hard work, through, through ingenuity to get where they are. Yeah. And so you, you talked about Vince. You know, having been the first and only person to serve as both chairman and managing director of the Chicago Housing Authority, and to talk and to think about just the impact that his tenure had on public housing around the country. You know, and so yeah, I appreciate WTVP PBS for giving me that platform because I think that as that show continued to 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 get. Uh, disseminated weekly with new episodes and more positive content and more and more people yeah. learn about it and, and, and watch it uh, nationally that it's going to it's going to impact lives because again if you if you haven't seen it if you haven't heard of it how do you sit back and dream or even understand the possibility of becoming it yeah, you know right. And so, you know, I know, it's, it's amazing, yeah, I know my circumstances, man, coming from a single mother household, you know, you know, raised significantly mm-hmm. uh, by my grandfather, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and because without my grandparents, my mom wouldn't be able to go to work. Be able to go to work. Yeah. And, and understanding that, you know, there was a time in life where, you know, when we went on vacation, you know, we loaded up the car. <laughs> we put the, we, we got the cooler. Yeah, just a, and, and we, we put the Coca Cola, the fried chicken, the sandwiches. I laugh when you say vacation. Oh, <laughs> yeah. hey, and you and you ride the Six Flags. Mm-hmm. And if you, yeah. you know, you probably gonna stay with relatives. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky, if you're extremely lucky, you may stay in the motel. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're definitely gonna be entering the door from outside. <laughs> you wouldn't be no interior corridor. Yeah. No, not yeah, not not a yeah. So I'm talking about self-made. I'm talking about starting from nothing. Nothing. And I and I think uh, and I and I and I don't know why I just keep as I'm sitting here we just conversing. Uh, I keep thinking about the timing of this all. Uh, 
and just think about what we've gone through as a country in the last several years. Right. And, you know, with everything from the George Floyd to the insurrection to all of that. And, you know, a lot of the, um, you know, a lot of the spotlight has been on people of color. And, and, right. and you know, the, it's kind of shifted. And so we always have that question that Dr. Martin Luther King always proposed, where do we go from here? Right. So I think that, you know, self-made TV and that platform is, you know, could be that, could feel that role and right. answer the question, right. like, where do we go from here? Right. And I think the other thing yeah. is, is the, yeah, it points to it. And <laughs> right. I think uh, the other thing, D, we, were, we had dinner last night, and I'm not going to say the person's name, but uh, just thinking about the, the guests that come on the show. And, and you know, when you ask your guests, I mean, they're friends, a lot of them are friends, or right. they have a connection, you know, and they're going to say, yeah, I, okay, I'll do it. But you, you don't really understand kind of, you know, what they're thinking. Uh, but, but honestly, you know, it, it allows that platform and, and them telling their story and the, and the guests being able to see their story, I think in some ways it kind of re, reinvigorates them. Right. You know, because, right. you know, they, you know, some, you know, some of these yeah. folks may have thought like, man, I don't, you know, all the things that I've done, you know, does any, does anybody even appreciate? Right. Like who's actually. Seen, right. Anybody, yeah. Yeah. Everybody yeah. aware. Yeah. Aware. Or I, like, know, I'm doing all Yeah. I mean, yeah. you could have, you know, somebody at a crossroads professionally, like, you know, hey, like what is, what's, what's my next act? Like, what am I going to do next? Right. And so I think that, that show, I think it, it actually does, it edifies your guests too. Yeah. So I think that's something that we also need to, to be mindful of because they have a very significant story. And I think having this platform gives them that, you know, that pat right. on the back. Say, hey, you right. can keep going, keep doing what you're doing. Don't right. just settle right. for what you, you know, what right. you have right. done. You right. have a lot more that you can do. So. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to pivot a little bit and, and, and talk about because I think this is important. But this kind of stemmed from our professional development Mm-hmm. Uh, meeting earlier today, <laughs> and so, but I know, but I think it's something that that people should hear this because I feel like, and I think based on our conversation, you all would agree that as African Americans, we are trained to be mediocre. Like, there's nowhere for us to go in a formal environment. You know, college, mm-hmm. uh, high school, unless you know, maybe if you're playing sports, mm-hmm. you know, you can get it. Yeah. Yeah. You can get it from sports. Mm-hmm. But were they training us to be like hardcore visionaries, leaders, you know, thick skin, you know, uh, 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 you know, stick to in this, do it, you know, kind of people. Because here's the reality. The world is hard. Yeah. yeah. It's hard out here. It's not fair. Yeah. You know, we can say, you know, we won't equal this, we won't equal that. But at the end of the day, it's not fair. It's not fair. Right. It's not fair that. You can go home tonight and you can eat lamb chops if you cho- you desire. Mm-hmm. But guess what? A bird is going to eat a worm. That's not fair either, right? But it's the reality. Of, it's the reality of the, of the world we live in, right? And so I was and, and so I was listening to a younger employee, and I you know I'm not going to say his name on the show, but he talked about the fact that uh, criticism when you get criticized, that if you don't get criticized in the right way, it can make you lose motivation or make a person shut down. And I think that comes from training to be mediocre because when a person criticizes you, it's either true mm-hmm. or it's false. Okay, don't worry about the delivery of the message. Right. It's either true or false, right? right? If it's true, you self-evaluate and say, you know what, I, I may not like the delivery, but they tell the truth. 
And I'll give you an example. I had an ex-girlfriend in, in college that said something negative about me. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it. I was like, well, it was true. I mean, so I couldn't really be mad about it. Right? <laughs> right. I just said, so, you know, other people like, man, you're not mad? Like, no, nah, well, actually, it's true. Right. No, well, I'm mad. Yeah. But if you don't develop, the, if, you can't allow what people say. Right. to motivate you or, or bring you down or demotivate yeah. you. Yeah. That's something that has to be internalized. Right. You know, you if, if your mindset is that I'm going to be the best version of myself, that means I'm, I'm willing to overcome every odd, every obstacle right. to, to do just that. Right. And so, Eric, how you deliver a message to me is not going to change that motivation. Right. If, you, if you deliver a message to me and you're totally inaccurate, about what you're saying, then I'm gonna put a you know give my rebuttal right, as to why right, I think right. you're inaccurate. But if you give me a message and you're right, I have to own that. Right. I, you, no matter how you say it to right. me, I have to own it. Right. And so when one one thing that people learn when they play sports is that sports train you to be a true leader and winner. If you played in if you played in a good sports environment, you know, I would have to kind of yeah. quantify that. But yeah. it trains because guess what? I don't care if you're playing in high school, college, or NFL. Right. That coach is gonna be in your face. It's gonna that coach is gonna be in your face if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And they're not gonna sit down and sit you down like a baby and say, now listen, Johnny, can you just hold the football just a little tighter? When you come out the backfield, because for some reason they keep shaking loose every time they hit you. Can you just squeeze it a little bit tighter, Johnny? No. That's not what the coach is They're going to tell you, you got to freak, you freaking hold that ball, or you're going to freaking be on the bench, right? There's and that's, and that's the same thing in business. The object is to win. Hey, the object is to win. But and you're going to either take that, if you're going to perform at the highest level, you're going to take that criticism. And you're gonna to react to it by making yourself better, or you're gonna find yourself. You're gonna leave that position and go find somewhere Where you to to settle. work that they settle for mediocre. Yeah, but I, I think too, performance. I think no, I too, can. and I, I can say this because like you know they, we've been working now almost going on three years, man. and so it's just one of the things. That it's all about sometimes in those scenarios like you you you're gonna to have to take your lumps. You have to build that trust. You know, there are certain conversations that D and I would have in the in the our old office upstairs, and uh, you know, like I knew what my capabilities are, but I knew it was all about us learning each other. Right. And so, so my mindset was like, okay, like if he said, "Hey, you need to do this, this," or "Hey, you didn't," you know, we had some type of exchange. You know, I just took it as okay. I just need to get better. Like I'm gonna. Tighten it up, like whatever that whatever that was. I knew that I just I had to do that, and I just knew if I kept doing it consistently, we weren't going to have those conversations all the time. Right. So right. I think part of it is is that you know yeah at the moment it may not feel good, but that you just had had a mindset like okay I'm gonna from this moment forward I'm gonna establish a track record a record of trust right and, and performance and outcomes and right. I think that's part of how you can and, and that's how you end up in a and that's how you end up in a leadership role. Where he running the whole operation for the most part because mm-hmm. the, what he may not have understood then that he get now is that I'm trying to put you in a position where you're gonna 
Yeah, I trust you. I know you're gonna perform. Nobody's perfect, right? right. So yeah. you can't have that. In, that, that yeah, I mean, uh, I could get an email tomorrow. So <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe I want yeah, 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 draft. It's in draft. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's probably drafted draft already. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I just, but I think in the, in the point that I, that I uh, that I think in our past discussion that we had about this too, I, I think that you know, in experience in the sports or, or military, where a lot of my my right. team building background comes from. Right. Um, what the core thing too is that you always not always have to ask, but the thing that is this key to focus on opposed to the, the whatever the tone of the, the criticism is is the intent. Well, the intent it? is to get better. Right. The coach is telling you, hey Johnny, you stink right now because he wants you to understand that hey, this is not what is gonna we can't you can't do this and win. If you continue to do this, we're not gonna win. Whether the drill sergeant comes over and tells you all the, the things that you, you know, don't want to hear. Yeah. Um, but it's in order for you to accomplish the mission and develop that muscle memory. So right. when, it, when it's time to perform, there's no question about it. And so the, the difference is, is that intent. They are preparing you that whoever that leader is, whether it's drill sergeant, whether it's CEO, whether it's a, uh, a coach, they're preparing you for to to win and they're, they're doing so from a place of I want you to I win. want you or to they, win you know, yeah. they see something in you and quite, and, right, right. And quite and, frankly if they don't do it like, they don't, that's, where, that's where you need to be right. that, that's where you need Concerned. to be heard. they're doing that, your that's, service yeah. <laughs> right. that's what should demotivate yeah, like, right. Uh, right. if someone yeah. lets you let you do a, a half performance and everybody's okay with it that mm-hmm. means that you are not going to get better it's right. not possible they, they've given up on you when, when, when I played football I've told this story before. Um, what I learned, I, I lost my 10th grade year because I transferred between school districts and I couldn't play my 10th grade year. And so my 11th grade year, the number one uh, outside linebacker was a senior. And so I'm saying to myself, like, you know, if I'm going to become, the, if I'm going to play, I got to figure out a way to knock this guy off because, you know, he had to write a passage. He had earned that position. And so I was Thinking, and I think that's the day that I that I decided I was gonna have basically two speeds, on and off, you know. <laughs> and so that day we went out to practice, and then we had on helmets, t-shirts, and shorts, and we running plays. So it's supposed to be, you know, you touch them, pat them, whatever. And I went out and I was knocking. I'm talking about I I, I was knocking you. If you got that ball in your hand, I was cold cocking you. <laughs> Everybody was mad at me, man. I got in a few scuffles that day. But we're doing two days. That was the first practice, my first, you know, summer practice of my junior year in high school. And I'll never forget that, man. We came back to the second practice of that afternoon. I was the number one linebacker. <laughs> and I and what I did every day from that day forward, when we practiced. I practiced like it was a game. And people would get mad at me. Some of my friends would say, man, you know, I got to play Friday night. I would tell coach, don't put you on scout team. Yeah. <laughs> because you, if you if you got the ball, you come my way, I'm playing like it's Friday night. Yeah. That, actually, that, that tells a lot. And every time we, I hear this story, I get something new out of it. But that give, that right there gives me a lot of insight into how when, uh, I think when you and I, when I first started, when you and I would do a lot of the, the pursuits. And uh, I was a part of me was waiting. I was like, okay, so uh, when when's this this, this training gonna happen? Like, now we in there, mm-hmm. we get it done. And it's like you train on the job, and I was just like, okay, that's what we're doing. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right, we're, so hey, because listen, 
if you've been, if you sat through uh, any of our board meetings and presentations, you cannot you predict can't. You can't, no. what's going to come out of some people's mouths, mm -mm. you know, based on a variety of reasons, you know, some good, some yeah. bad, but you just never know. And you, and so it's one of those things where you, you have to be quick. You have to be swift, uh, you, you know, because you never know what you're going to have to respond to. And what that, what that tells me is, is you've got to be confident in, in, and assertive in what and where you are. You can't you can't control the other variables. Right. The other you don't know, like you just said, you don't know what that council person is gonna yeah. say or what that you know person yeah. on that board is gonna say. You've got to be prepared in what you are confident in and your ability to deliver. Right. Everything else That's is it. secondary. Yeah, but I can I will say this though. Um, I mean the moment is the moment you have to be prepared, but at the same time, you, there are little things that you know, thinking about practice and things of that nature, there are little things that you can do to get ahead before the game. Right. Oh, right. You know, so you have a client and you know if you know who the client is, and right. to me that's the advantage. If yeah. you tell me who the client is, you best guarantee yeah. you, that before we have a conversation where you drive, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out every angle. You it, know everything about and it. And I may it may come up during that time period that we're actually meeting, it may not, but you know, I mean, but it, the preparation is, is big too. I mean, yeah. and, and no, I not just in this industry, but just you know, a lot of other industries yeah. as well. So you do have to be prepared. So let's talk about HBCU. Y O U. With B Brown CEO. Y O U. HBC Y O U. Now, the first episode air on Tuesday. Okay. Uh, the 5th of April. Me, of course, I'm the host. Uh, Logic Collins from the Oval. Uh, Palmer Williams Jr. from House of Pain. Uh, all of us noobs. They're like, all yeah. of us are noobs too. <laughs> yeah. Right? But coincidentally, <laughs> first episode. But it was interesting. Uh, it was an interesting dynamic because we had uh, two actors that both work for Tyler Perry Studios. Mm -hmm. okay. House of Pain and the Oval, both Tyler Perry uh, shows. And so the they had never met, been in the studio together, you know, wow. different parts of the studio, you know, different wow. sets or whatever, uh, but had never had never met in person before. Knew, you know, obviously knew of each other, right? Mm -hmm. Because of their roles within the various uh, Tyler Perry productions, but so was, that was an interesting variable as well. But that, but more importantly, the show HBCU. And so here I am. I went to to an HBCU for a year, mm -hmm. uh, graduated from the University of Memphis. And of course, you guys went to PWIs as well. Mm -hmm. But we find ourselves, in terms of uh, our philanthropic endeavors, uh, we're you know 100% HBCUs and minority-serving institutions is where our hearts are, right? Absolutely. Because we recognize that, regardless of what our education educational experience since may have been, we recognize the yeah. value more now than ever before uh, that those uh, institutions play in, in communities of color. Um, this show is very similar in some ways to self-made, but then in other ways, very, very different. Right. Uh, whereas in self-made, when a, when a guest come onto the show, we talk about their childhood to now. You know, mm -hmm. we basically taking that journey through your life to understand who you are, where you are, whatever. Whereas right. with HBCU, the journey pretty much starts on how did you end up at North Carolina A and T, or how did you end up decision. yeah to go to Jackson State or Alcorn, or mm -hmm. you know, or I had a, one guest on who had undergrad from Alcorn and graduate degree from Jackson State, you know, two rival institutions, <laughs> right? And so of course we play on that. So we joke around yeah. about that. We talk about the homecomings. We talk uh, about who they root for. 
Right. <laughs> so she was, they said house divided. She, she chose. She chose. Uh, she chose all porn on the show. She chose all. Porn. <laughs> okay. She got an undergrad from all porn. So, but you know, what is it like on game day at all porn? Because, because it's different than Southern. Yeah, what is the what's the the signature event at Florida A and M? What do, what's the your signature event that you that the campus is known for? And it's the set on Friday. They have the set on Friday. The DJ mm-hmm. and you know everybody's out on the yard and they you know it's a festive occasion. Uh, what is you know what is who has the best band? Mm-hmm. You know that's the debate. Who has the best band? What is the what is the culture like, especially when you have guests that, that that have degrees from or experiences from HBCUs and PWIs like me, where you can see the distinct difference, right. you know, in that whole culture. Like when I was at Alcorn, it was more community, like everybody knew each other, it was like a big family. Right. You know, teachers really to me cared about whether you came to class or didn't come to class. Yeah. Uh, there was one guest that came on and told a story of how he was gonna skip class and the teacher was at his dorm knocking on the door, wow. telling him, come on, you're not skipping the day. Yeah. And how he's a medical doctor. Right. And he was planning on leaving Alcorn to be a, a, a coach and a teacher. Right. But because his major was biology, they made everybody who was in biology take the MCAT. Right. He had scored so high on the test until the, the uh, I think it was like the hour medical school or whatever, mm-hmm. came to the campus to interview him recruited him and admitted him to med school and he called his mom like I've been yeah. accepted med school I'm trying to decide what, what I'm going to do he's like oh no 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 you already, you already decided yeah. you're going to med school yeah. and, I can imagine. And, and so then he talked about that culture shock of leaving all corn being dropped off an hour in the middle of a cornfield where he didn't know anyone right. and then you know it was only a small percentage of uh, African Americans on the campus yeah. and he said he really didn't Really get settled into. He found out where the noobs hang out, and he ended up finding up finding he found out the yeah, and He kind of found, you know, found. Him. But he said he called home several times. Said, "Mama, I'm coming home." <laughs> Mom said, "No, you're not. No, you're not. Hung please, up the phone. Right, yeah. hung the phone on him, so he, he couldn't go home. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I would say again. I guess I keep going back to the timeliness of this all. I mean, there was so much of a spotlight on HBCUs. I know a lot of it had to do, you know, with a lot of the things that were going on in the last couple of years, right. was, you know, around the country, but. You know, just, you know, again, we just can't make this up about the work that we do from our side in right. terms of development. And there are so many needs, facilities needs and right. educational needs on a lot of these different campuses. And it's like, well, man, how, you know, how all of this has kind of came full circle. That's right. the thing that, ama- that amazes me. Yeah. Um, so but when yeah. you think about that, and so you talk about this person that went to Alcorn, or you talk about the person that went to North, Air- North Carolina A&T, who is now... You know, running ESPN mm-hmm. events, mm-hmm. or you talk about the person with Alcorn is not they're a medical doctor, or the or the young lady that left Jackson State as a STEM major went to Ohio State University uh, School of Law, and now she's a uh, on Wall Street uh, working for S and P, running uh, a fifteen a five point two trillion dollar portfolio of credit, and so when you look at these achievements, again it goes back to a person can't visualize. What they can't see, mm-hmm. and so not so we're not only just telling that whole story, the experience, the the capital parties, which is right, right. some of the yeah, best yeah, stories yeah, on the yeah. show about the capital parties. Because yeah. those are the best parties. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> but, you're talking, but you got all of those variables, uh-huh. and then this person at the end of the day is still successful. 
still living a, a very successful life. And they did it all off the back of HBCUs. And, the, and then you think about, you know, prior to, uh, you know, the end of segregation, yeah. uh, there weren't very, very many educational opportunities yeah. for people of color beyond high school unless you went to, a, to an HBCU. And of course, now we are allowed to attend school anywhere. And I'm not knocking anyone's decision right, because absolutely. you know every decision is 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 different and, and unique. Multiple factors. But here's what we know: more than 50 percent of African Americans score below college readiness mm-hmm. on their exams, and many institutions won't accept them. Right. HBCUs are the ones that they they have to turn to. HBCUs graduate 20% of the African-American college graduates every year, but only 10% of African-Americans are enrolled in HBCUs. 50% of African-American teachers, 50% of African-American teachers graduate from HBCUs. 70% of African-American dentists graduate from HBCUs. Mm -hmm. Even though HBCUs only account for 3% of the overall Institutions yeah, of higher education, yeah. right? So they they, they still play a, play a critical role. Now there are criticism, like you know, obviously there you know infrastructure, mm-hmm. facilities, uh, you know, uh, technology right. improvements that are needed at, at many HBCUs. But I think the key is that we have to get together and and demand the funding and the resources to bring those institutions up to the level of the, of the PWI counterparts. Right. And, I, and I think it, it starts with us really understanding, you know, what, they, what, what the situation is, what they don't have, and what other institutions are receiving. Because, it, again, we know that things are not always going to be fair. They historically and traditionally haven't been. Mm-hmm. But given that we know that things are, we need to understand, okay, well, this is what they need. This is what these students need to grow. This right. is, and so, you know, I love the fact that, you know, we're engaging in that space and asking a question. What right. do you need? That's right. that's how we when we start a pursuit or if we're if we're doing anything there, that's how we start a conversation is yeah. what do you need? Yeah. Like and not what we need. What do what, you what need? do you need? What, do you need? what we do is always about, about the, the about end user, the client, right? It's not about we, us. We understand so much how culture like the culture what what the culture of hbcu graduates in play has given you know us like i think in any in any family in any african-american family you know somebody that's an hbcu graduate and nine times out of ten they are a pillar within the community right yeah but gentlemen it has been a great episode right. of The Sky's the Limit. I almost forgot what show I was shooting today. But <laughs> no, it's been exactly. a great episode. Yeah, yeah, keep track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sky's the track. Limit. Thank, self-made. Self-made HBCU. But thank you, gentlemen, for being on no, the show. No, and thank no. you for Thanks watching for this episode of The Sky's the Limit with right. D. Brown, CEO. This has been The Sky's the Limit with D. Brown, CEO. To find out more about D, go to dbrownceo.com or Google D. Brown CEO. To connect with the P3 Group, check out thep3groupinc.com. The Sky's the Limit is a self-made TV original production.